I took it literal. So they tried to lean the check on me and I jumped off the podium and I said, no, I don't want to touch it. Welcome to Needing Dough, the podcast presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. I'm your host, Andrew Hawkins, but you can call me Hawk. Here on Needing Dough, Uninterrupted CEO Maverick Carter sits down with your favorite athletes and talks about how they learn to manage the life-changing amounts of money that being a pro athlete can provide. And that's where I come in. I'm a former NFL receiver and graduate of Columbia Business School. I'm also the director of business development here at Uninterrupted, and I'm going to bring you the personal perspective on how these lessons from legends translate to you in your life. Before we get started with this conversation, featuring the Simone Biles, Needing Dough the Podcast is presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. New episodes drop every other Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. She had a dress and it had pockets, and I was like, oh my God, I would stick some snacks in there. <laughs> like during the wedding. Yeah, like walking down the aisle. <laughs> and now, I am pleased to introduce you all to Simone Biles. Now, I'm sure I don't have to do too much of an introduction. Simone won four Olympic gold medals in 2016. And last year, at the age of just 21, she became the most decorated American gymnast of all time. So let's get to it. Here is Maverick in a conversation with Simone Biles, live from the Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah. Simone, thank you yes. for being here on Needing yes. Dough. Obviously, um, being with you here is a special, special day. This is a great show that we've had Lots of special athletes, former athletes, current athletes, but to have an athlete like yourself who was named the most dominant <laughs> athlete in the whole world last year Thank means you. a lot. So pleasure for having you on. So you've now, it's been kind of three years where you went from kind of being Simone to being <laughs> Simone that the whole world knows. What's that been like to like yes. take this meteoric rise to now everyone knows you everywhere you go. What is that like? It's kind of different and it's it's scary in a way because everybody knows me and I don't know everybody, but um, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> and do you did you did you have to get comfortable with everybody knowing you? Like yes. everywhere you go, everyone knows who you are. And it kind of went from one day you could probably walk around and not many people know you. One day everybody knows mm -hmm. you and coming up for pictures and yes. what was it? Was it like? Was it surreal? Was it? Does it get annoying at times? Does it get nerve-wracking at times? What is it like? It's all of them. It's kind of surreal that everybody knows who I am. Um, but I feel like it only gets hard if I'm in a rush somewhere, like in a <laughs> store. Exactly. And I, mean, I usually don't wear makeup and my hair is like in a knot a lot of the time. And I'm just like going to the grocery store. And you're trying to get like, in and out, yes, right? Yes, in and out. Um, but other than that, I'm used to it. It took a lot of time to get used to it, but... It's pretty normal now. Got it. And much like Michael Jordan, who has the MJ fadeaway named after him, mm -hmm. that was his move. He patented everybody growing up, like myself, who played basketball, wanted to be able to do the MJ fadeaway. You have two gymnastics moves mm -hmm. named after you. How does that work? How does, did you invent it's, these moves? Were mm -hmm. they moves no one had ever done? Had people ever tried them and they couldn't stick them? How did, how did that come about? So to have a move named after you, you have to be the first to do it at a World Cup event um, or the Olympic Games, and we kind of made it up in the gym, and then... Um, Did you want to do this? Were you like, I want to make up a new move that no one's ever um, done, or was it you and your coach kind of talking about yeah, it? Yeah, it was me and my coach kind of talking about it. The first 
one that was named the Biles. It was actually from like a little injury. And we're like, okay, instead of a full twist, let's do a half twist and see what happens. Um, Cause forward landings are blind. So they're a little bit harder. And then the second one, I thought it was never gonna happen. I thought my coach was out of his mind. And I was like, that's ridiculous, never. Um, and then it got named after me. What's the second one? So one's called the Biles and what's the second one called? Biles too. Biles too, exactly. <laughs> yes. Now, can, can you teach people how to do them? Do you have to teach people oh, how goodness. to do them? Or do they have to watch you and then just try it? Yes, they have to watch me and then try it. And I've seen a couple of them try to do it. Um, a lot of people aren't very successful at them, <laughs> um, except for the male gymnasts. Yeah. And it kind of makes me nervous watching some of them do it because since it has my name on it, I don't want anything to go wrong and then be like, I got hurt on the bios. <laughs> exactly. I feel like I'd be responsible. Yeah, we don't want anybody at home yes. trying the bios, no. one or two. <laughs> yes. And no one in the audience, please, not, yes. don't try the bios. <laughs> um, so as you took, went on this rise, is there anything looking back that you would tell young Simone like to watch out for or be aware of or be conscious of? Probably not to be so stubborn because everyone around you is there to help you and is there so that you can be the best person. And it, but did the stubbornness come from just being a competitor and wanting mm -hmm. to win? A lot of times, you know, all athletes who want to win, all athletes want to win and the, mm -hmm. the best, like yourself, the greatest athletes in the world are to me, all seem, you know, you watch the New England Patriots play football. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady is not the nicest, easiest guy to get <laughs> along with when he's out there trying to win a playoff game. We've seen videos of him arguing with his coach. We've seen LeBron argue. We've seen players. Mm -hmm. Like, that, is that just a natural thing that comes from competition, wanting to win so bad? I think so. I think it's a little bit in your personality, but you have to pick and choose. God, you have to pick and choose your. So you would tell young someone, pick and choose your moments. Yes. When you're gonna, you were stubborn all the time. All the time. All the, no matter what. <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's incredible to think about you. You're so sweet and nice, and we were just in the back yes. talking about your dog being stubborn. Yes. Like not wanting to listen. It seems that seems impossible with that mm -hmm. smile. But I guess it's possible, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, it is. It's very possible. So. As a, young, as a youngster growing up, you obviously went through the adoption process and foster care. Yes. What was that like? What was that like going through that process? I and was, what did it teach you? Yeah, I was so young, so it was a little bit different for me than my other siblings in foster care. I only remember a couple of things from it. Um, but, you know, I think the most important thing is family. Family is the most important thing. And at the end of the day, all you have is family. So I'm very thankful that I had a good process through it all because not a lot of people are as fortunate as me throughout the whole entire foster care and the adoption process. Um, but it was, it was different, but a lot of people don't even know that I was adopted till I told some of my teammates and they were like, no way. Um, so it's just, it's kind of normal for me. Exactly. It's what, I thought everybody was adopted, to be honest. <laughs> That's what I seriously thought. Yeah, it's like, I thought every kid was adopted. My mom used to tell me, yes. people, I was left on the porch by, by a, a yes. flying bird, left me on the porch. Yes. So I know so that whenever feeling. I said, I was adopted, they said, no way. I said, well, where did you come from? Because I thought everybody was adopted. That's hilarious. And, and then before the Olympics, your dad actually got you a, you talked about your dad giving you a credit card. Yes. And what was that like? Were you just 
spending, swiping, getting what no, you want? Or how did I, you deal with that? I have a fear of going broke. Really? Yes. For some reason, I have a fear of going broke. And so does this fear, is this every day you wake up like, I don't want to be broke? Feeling? Yes. Sometimes I go on days to see if I can't spend any money. And then, of course, my gas light comes on. So I have to go get gas and stuff like that. But whenever I first got the credit card, my dad said it's like for emergencies, for food, because I drove 45 minutes to practice, was there all day, and then drove back. Um, and so I never really swiped the card. Maybe once in a while I would go get Subway, but other than that, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't swipe it. And then you have my sister on the other hand. Swipe, swipe, swipe. Let's go get food. Let's go get the nails. That's done. probably like me. I probably go. Yes. I'm the opposite of you. I and I was terrified because it's my parents' money, so I had to be very cautious with it because at the end of the day, I don't want him to kill me. Of course. <laughs> now, who taught you about money first mm. or about saving? Like, who put yes. that feeling in you that you need to save, try and save mm. money? Who gave you that? Thank well, you. I see my, how my parents spend their money. They're very smart with it. But then also my financial advisors and the team. Got it. And is that feeling of going broke, is it from a fear of something, something you went through, something you've seen or heard about? No, or is it it's just, just terrifying. It's just terrifying. Yeah, just the thought of being broke is terrifying. Of course. I think so. Yes. I would agree. <laughs> I, would, I think the audience would agree, too. Yes. Would <laughs> <laughs> um, but after the Olympics, you actually decided to take a year off, right? Yes. And was that your first year off in how long? You had probably went My straight through. My whole entire through. life. Your whole entire life. Mm -hmm. You had never taken a year yeah. off. What, why did you decide that? How did you come to that decision? Yes. So I came to it because I thought it would be better for me mentally and physically, and so that it would give me time to work with my sponsors because I love doing that, and it's something I'm very passionate about. So it gave me a lot of time so that I wouldn't have to focus on training and doing some of the events that I was doing, and to kind of be a normal teenager. Got it. And did you talk to your sponsors before and tell them you were going to do this and they were fine with you taking a year off and not yes, competing? Yes, because then they got more time with me. <laughs> so it was great for them. Um, but I talked with my parents and my coaches and everybody kind of knew. And your coaches were idea. fine with it too. They were like, take, a, give your body a break. Yes. Give your mind a break. Yes. And did you actually take a break? Did you like not go to the gym? I never went to the gym. For 365 days, you did not go to the gym. Yeah, sometimes I would go and jump on the trampoline, but that made me tired, so I left. <laughs> But like, I did, did not go. You getting tired seems impossible, by mm -hmm. the way. But did you wake up with urges to go to the gym? Because that's a thing that, like, you didn't at all. You didn't have, I did like, not want to work out, ever. Really? No urge. Wow. So 300, that's, that's <laughs> insane to go through. That's, like, yeah. to go your whole life mm -hmm. going to the gym basically every single day. And yes, then wake I kind up. of felt lost at some points because I would wake up frantically and be like, I have gym. But then I didn't. But I always had an event or something that I had to go to. So it was okay. But I never wanted to go to the gym. Never. But the gym is also foreign for us because we work out with equipment and we never use weights. So even walking into a gym with weights and, like, a treadmill and stuff. I don't even know what half that stuff is. Yeah, because your version of the gym is it's different than an every. Yeah. Throwing my body and yeah, exactly, it's different than foreign. me going to like getting on the elliptical or yes. spend like for forty-five yes. minutes. Yeah, your version of the gym is doing the bios one and two. Yes, exactly. Something I would probably break my neck trying to do. <laughs> yeah, so if I go to the gym, it's like playing on the equipment and trying not to hurt myself. Like on the elliptical that you put one foot on, yeah. I would get on one side and see how fast <laughs> I could go and then jump off. Like it wasn't for and me. And people are probably staring at you like, what is she yes. doing? She looks yes. like she's never been in the gym before, mm -hmm. exactly.
Now, when you got back into the routine, when you went back to working out yes. and training, was it hard to get your mind clicked back into, okay, now I'm back training? It was hard in the beginning just because I lost a little bit of muscle. Um, and, you know, your body has muscle memory. Of so course. I was used to doing all of those skills and I knew how to do them, but I was weak. So oh, it's yeah. like I had to do spots and I just felt bad in a way in the beginning because I'm like, wow, I've never had to have spots or needed help. Um, but it was, it was easy to get back into the groove once we set a date that I was going to be in the gym and start the whole training process. Now, your body obviously went through that. and I know exactly what you mean, muscle mm -hmm. memory and anything. is like your muscles just get that memory of when you do it yes. over and over. That you could almost do it without even thinking. Mm -hmm. But what about mentally? Was it hard to get back focused to be in the gym? Because um, when you're training, how often do you go to the gym? I'm there Monday through Saturday, six to seven hours a day, and then Saturday we have four hours, and then Sunday's our only day off. Got it. So was was it hard mentally? At all? Was the mental part of like, um, oh, now I need a spot, and yes. like, were you overthinking things and wondering so, yes, about things? Yes, in the beginning, since everything was muscle memory, I never really had to think about a lot of the skills that I had to do, and I didn't realize what my body was doing, and then I started to think about it, and I had a little bit of mental blocks coming back because it's, I usually just let go and let my body do whatever, and then I was like, well, I'm flipping twice and twisting twice. Like, I could really hurt myself. <laughs> like, that's what thing, I Exactly. Think. It's the thing we all think watching all yes. gym is like, whoa, that looks like you could really get hurt. Yes, and then I'm like, how am I even doing this with my body? How is that even possible? So I started to overthink a lot. Um, so then it's just kind of like, you close your eyes and you pray. Now. Burnout is very different when you're a world-class gymnast who just can't stomach the thought of working out anymore. But burnout comes for all of us at some point in our careers. In my job function now, I do a ton of traveling between the West and East Coast. And I'm talking the full flight from LA to New York and back. So much travel that in the last six months, I have flown over 150,000 miles. If you add up all the flight time, it comes out to like 13 total days on a flight. That being said, all the work and the motivation to try to chase your dreams and maximize opportunities, it could get to you a little bit. What I learned at the end of it was that rejuvenation and rest is just as important as your drive to succeed. By the end, I could feel it affected my energy, my moods, and my productivity. So I had to kind of just sit back, relax, take a deep breath, and just re-energize. And by recharging my batteries, I felt like I was doing a better job in my work. And the people around me, they took notice too. So once you've gotten the rest and space you need, you can get back to it and start kicking ass. And that's exactly what Simone did at the Olympics. Did you ever doubt yourself when you were getting back in there? Like, like, whoa, maybe I can't, will I ever be able to get back to what I used to do? Since I ended on such a high note, I didn't think it was possible. And I was a little bit nervous because once you do come back to the sport, um, and you take some time off, you're not as good as when you left. And you know, I ended on the Olympics, such a great Of course, note. you ended on the highest of the highest. Exactly, I walked out with five medals. So I was a little skeptical about that, but then it, I surprised myself because I came back even better. Got and it, and kind of, of all those high moments, to your point, the, the Olympics, 25 medals, everything, mm -hmm. being named the most dominant athlete in the world, which one was the highest for you personally? Which one was like, oh, was being named the most dominant athlete, was that like, that oh my That was very goodness. shocking. Was it, were you shocked? Very, because I saw the whole entire list, 
and I never thought that I would be at the top. So whenever they announced it, I was just so shocked. Was that the highest of the high for you? Or was it winning one of the medals? Was oh, it goodness. having a you know you, the having moves named after you? Yeah. What is the what were the um, highest ones that you felt? Probably the Olympics because I had waited my whole entire life for that moment, and nothing compares to when you get that medal and you stand up and then you hear your country's anthem. Nothing can compare. And when you took that year off, did you, you, you probably, because obviously we know you like to save money, did you put yourself on a budget? Did you have to put yourself uh -huh. on a budget? Or did you work with like your financial advisor to budget yourself? Yes, since I was traveling all over the place, I didn't really have time to spend anything or do anything and- Because you were working going all yes, over Yes, I was place. working, they were work trips. Um, so the only thing I really treated myself to, like the number one thing after the Olympics and I got back was like a Louis Vuitton bag. It was oh, like nice. my favorite thing. Which one did you get? I got a never full bag, the medium size. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and did you cherish it? Oh, I do, but I just gave it to my sister and oh, then I got wow. another one with another oh, print. You got another you gave yes. it to your sister just to make room for a new one. Yes. Yes, I I know how that goes. You <laughs> clear you act like you're giving stuff away, but you're just making room for more new <laughs> stuff, right? Exactly. Yes. So which one did you get this time? I got the other print, same same style and everything. Same size, medium and everything. Yep. And that year, you obviously, as you said, do you love working with sponsors? What do you I love do. about doing that? I love it because it gives me an opportunity to get out there and do the work side because I'm always a gymnast. So I kind of feel like a little businesswoman. Like I kind of feel adulting. <laughs> you feel like yes. this is your time to do business. Yes. You're handling big business at yes. the time. Exactly. And you're not just a gymnast. Exactly. Got it. And what's the best advice that you've gotten about saving money? Like, has someone okay, give you is, great advice? Mm -hmm, this is kind of strange, but it's to actually spend more money. <laughs> really? Yes. Who told you this? My financial advisor really? to make, at least put them in good investments. Oh, so, not just spend So crazy that's not money. spending, that's yes. investing. Yes. That's the difference. Buying a Louis Vuitton yes. bag, some <laughs> could argue that's an investment. Yes. There's but women then she also sure. said, um, a lot, get a lot. So then we got a lot that I haven't built on yet. And then recently, um, like a house and stuff. Oh, nice. I got it. Yeah. My girlfriend has convinced me several times that a Louis Vuitton bag <laughs> is an investment. So you're, you're, they advise you to, to invest more. Yes. To spend and was that wisely. hard to get your mind around investing? Like actually putting money into something and letting it go and putting it like, did you think of it as spending or investing? I'm not really sure because half the time I would sit in the meetings and it was a lot of adulting conversations. So and I would how get were you lost. at this time? 19, 20, wow. and even now I go to quarterly meetings and it's, I'm still getting used to it. My boyfriend always tells me, pay more attention in those meetings <laughs> because I walk out of it and he says, so how was it? And I say, oh, I just ask him if I'm broke or not. <laughs> and he said, that's not a good idea. He said, you really need to listen. And I'm like, I'm trying, but it's just zoom, zoom, zoom. I just get so lost. Yeah, and but people don't understand that. To your, to that's kind of the point of yes. the show is, as an athlete, all athletes make money and a lot of money yes. at such a young age. It's such hard. Age. So I'm sure they've gotten a little easier. But when you first go on those meetings, they might as well be speaking a language that you it's never. It's a different heard. language to me, completely. Like if I started speaking gymnastics to you, you would have no idea. Zero idea. So that's like when people speak money to me. I'm like, just tell me if I'm broken off. <laughs> can I get another, you just yes. want to know, can you get another Louis Vuitton <laughs> yes, bag? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And 
But do you ever ask them, hey, can you slow down and explain this to me? Yes, and tell me time. what the definition of this means. Yes. Because I'm sure there's a lot of acronyms they're throwing around all the time. Very. Of stuff. And then we have a little book that we'll flip through and then they'll slow it down because I think. Um, she knows I'm confused. I don't want to give out her name. Sorry, guys. Of because she's mine. But she'll look at me and she's like, okay, Simone, this is what we're talking about. Okay, okay, that makes a lot more sense now because to me it sounds like a different language. And what was the hardest part for you to digest? Like most young people, the whole taxes thing, mm -hmm. paying, t like, oh, I made a dollar, but actually she I didn't make a dollar. Yes, whenever she tells me how much I have to pay in taxes every year, I'm just... I'm just blown away. Every year you're still blown away, right? Yeah, it's still shocking every year. I don't understand. You make money and then they take it. <laughs> that just to me is so wild. So you, when you first, when did you first realize? Wait a minute. If I make a dollar, I actually only make like 50 cents. Yeah, my dad, whenever he um, does my taxes, he's like, this is ridiculous. And then I peek behind the computer. I'm like, oh, God, I'm leaving. <laughs> I just don't want to know. Now, did you ever talk to any other Olympians or athletes about money and saving? Did anyone give you advice mm -hmm. from like other Olympians or athletes? Not necessarily, but I feel like you see some of those athletes, they get their first huge checks and they spend it and blow it and... I feel like we're very smart with our money, so I just didn't want to do that. So you have to spend it, um, you have to spend it smartly. Of course, and but do, as gymnasts, when you ladies are in the gym mm -hmm. or, and the men are there or you're traveling on the road together or you're at world championships mm -hmm. or at the Olympics, does money or investments ever become a part of the conversation? Since a lot of us are so young, and I've been doing this since I was 13, and some of my national team members, they're still juniors, so that can be from 13 to 15 years old. We're so young, a lot of their parents still manage it, and I'm kind of the grandma on the team. There's another 20-year-old, <laughs> another 21-year-old, um, but we're all just getting started, so it's so new for us. Of course. And I heard you talk about one time when you got your first check, you were still I an did. amateur. Right? How old were you when you got the first I think you I won $5,000 for a... Yes, for a competition for a that competition. I won. And I was probably 12 years old or 13 years old. And it's this huge check. And uh, my coach said, whatever you do, don't touch it because that will forfeit your eligibility for college gymnastics. And I took it literal. So they tried to lean the check <laughs> on me and I jumped off the podium. And I said, no! And they said, it's fine. I said, no, I want to go to college and be a college athlete. And so I refused to touch this check. And then they tried to make me hold it. And I thought they were out of their minds. And then my coach came over and she said, no, you're just not allowed to cash it. But you can touch it. You can the... touch it. And I thought touching it would forfeit everything. So I refused and I jumped off the podium and I didn't let it touch me at all. <laughs> I like that. You yes. follow instructions I well. I did. I follow you instructions, instructions very well. And you want to do what's yes, right. I get exactly. it. And, but how old were you when you first were able to literally touch the check? Oh, goodness. So the other day, actually, maybe two weeks ago, I um, wrote my first check. Really? Mm -hmm, I did. And how was that? It was scary. I told my mom to write it, but she told me, no, that I had to do it for myself. What were you buying? It was for a down payment for my house. Nice. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. By the way, you, yeah, you're getting your home. Was that a hard process to go through? I think it was easier than I thought because I'm the type of person that I know exactly what I want and whenever I want something, my parents never stop hearing about it. Oh, you talk about it constantly? Yes, yes, and I ask for their Do they opinion. ever tell you, will you please relax, we got it, check, we know you want well, something? Well, 
At first, they said, we need to talk to your financial advisor. I said, I already talked to her on the phone. <laughs> I know my range. I know exactly what I'm looking for. And she's like, oh, wow, okay. And then they knew I was pretty serious since I had called them. And how many homes did you visit, look at, before you found the one? Only two. Only two? Mm. And you knew on the second well, There's nothing wrong the with that. The second one, as soon as I walked in, It was in, love at first sight? As soon as you walked yes. in, you know, what was about the home that you loved? That you the were like, kitchen, it was very me. The, the ceilings were high. It just screamed like a little Simone house. Did, and did you, <laughs> did you enjoy this process? Oh, I loved it. I'm obsessed. Really? I couldn't even go to sleep last night because I'm so excited. Now, you know, homes are a good investment. You could buy yes, homes. That's, that's what she told you do me. it in the right place. The right time, yes. the right home, that's, that is exactly. a good investment. It is. And did you, did you learn a lot going through the process of buying a home and signing the oh, paperwork gosh. and the yes, mortgage and the blah, mortgage blah, blah, blah? And yeah, again, that sounds all crazy to me, so I just signed the papers. Did you really? Mm -hmm. I tried to read, and it just gets confusing. It gets, it's a lot, yeah. right? It is a lot. But I my think mortgage it, is my aunt, so she takes me through it, so she, it's okay. She took you through yes. all Yeah. One thing about a mortgage, it's a stack of papers. But it's so big, it's like, I don't know if anyone's ever read them all. No, I don't think so. I, I think, don't think you so, just no. basically, if it said sign your life away, you wouldn't even read it and you would sign it. Of course. Well, because especially yeah. when you're excited for a home yeah. like you are. <laughs> exactly. And you, t you talked about turning the study into a room for your for dog. What are you going to do with that? How are you going to do that? Okay, so she has her little dresser that's full of her clothes, and I want to get some floating shelves to put her treats on and her name and put, like, E. It's going to be very cute, and it has a back door to the backyard, so it's very easy accessible for her. This dog lives better than me. Well, come live. Who, I have an extra room. How will the dog get the treats? You're gonna, you, you'll go in. But yes. Got it. Got you have it. to give it to her. You have to give it to her. She has to earn it. She has to earn it. I yes. get it. Yeah. Just like I earn a Louis bag, she has to earn her treats. She has to earn her treats. Exactly. Does she have to do like flips or roll over? Yes, yeah, she's. Does she to, can she do the bows one or two? She can't, but she can shake, lay down, and sit. Really? Yes. You haven't taught her any like rolls um, or tucks? We're teaching her or, dance. Oh, you're teaching her dance? Yes. Got it. You know, there is nothing quite like that feeling of buying a new home or finally buying that thing that you've had your eye on forever. You see, anything you purchase can either add or lose its value, but there is one thing that you cannot put a price on, and that is having a support system you can lean on when you don't always have the answers. There are studies that show we're the sum of the people we surround ourselves with. And for Simone, surrounding herself with knowledgeable people she could trust help take the stress out of one of the most memorable moments of her life. Now, Simone might be hype about her new home and splurging on her dog, but she's also putting resources back into her community. More on that after the break. All right, let's get back to the conversation with Simone Biles. Your parents also built you a gym, right? They built themselves a gym. <laughs> no, tell us about Not this gym. Not for me. Okay, so the process, my mom is a little bit crazy, but you know, she knows what she wants and she goes after it. So I think that's where I learned it from. But um, whenever she told me they were gonna build a gym, she, I was very angry. I was very Why? angry. So whenever, okay, so this, I'm gonna explain this. So whenever I walked into the house, it was a Wednesday. I knew I wanted it. I put a down payment on Saturday. My mom found the house on Tuesday. On Friday, she bought the land. So we're kind of cuckoo, but Got in it. the best ways. We have to talk to our financial advisors. Fast. Yes, we move very fast. 
And the first time she told me she was building, she bought this lot and we were gonna build a gym, I was very upset. I was, not good words, I was so mean. I was so mad because I know how expensive that is and I know the commitment that it takes to build a gym growing up in a gym. And I thought she was crazy and I, again, I thought we were gonna go broke. I knew how expensive it was gonna be. And I wasn't happy about it and then they talked to me and they're like, it's not for you, it's for the community. And so once I got that in my head, I felt a little bit more comfortable. That's and, awesome. Um, it's a community center, so we have Taekwondo, dance, gymnastics, um, trampoline, TNT, sorry, trampoline and tumbling, so I feel a lot more comfortable. And do you now look at it as a part of your legacy? Like that'll, it'll be there forever. It'll it will be, be there, there forever. forever. And, um, the, and it'll be a part of the community forever. Yes, and I, it helps all the kids come together and they love doing it and I love seeing their faces light up because I remember walking into the gym for my first time. Got it, and when you talk about a youngster and walking into the gym for the mm -hmm. first time, was there, who was your role model? Was there an athlete mm -hmm. that you looked up to that was like, that athlete does it right, that's how I yes. wanna do it, that's the type of legacy I wanna leave. Yes. Did you look at someone like that or multiple mm -hmm. athletes? So, me being a gymnast, I only tried one sport my whole entire life, which was gymnastics, and thankfully it worked out, so all my role models were gymnasts. I loved Alicia Sacramone, Nasia Luke, and Sean Johnson, and I loved how powerful they were, um, and how graceful they were, and I wanted to be just like them. Got it, now being, an Olympic athlete, when you're training for a competition, what does the day-to-day -day routine look oh, like goodness. when you're getting your mind and body mm -hmm. ready to go compete? Yes, uh, we're in the gym all the time, like I said, so we train six to seven hours every day. So we're in there, I'm in there at 8 a.m. and then 8 a.m. to 11.30, then I have a break, so I usually go home, take a nap, take a shower, um, I'm with my dog, and then I go back from three to usually six. Um, and then we're just training all the events, doing conditioning, and then afterwards we do rehab and stuff like that. And when you're in that routine and you're like locked and mm -hmm. you're focused and you're locked in getting ready to compete, do you tell your parents, your financial people, like you don't wanna hear about sponsors, money, you wanna lock mm -hmm. in and compete, or do you try and do a little bit of both? It depends on the time of year, um, but usually if I'm ever on break, that's when I try to fit in those meetings or on the weekends. Got it. Um, because they know once I'm training, I have to focus on training. So they do all of the um, other outside. Got it. And unlike team sports in your sport, mm -hmm. you pick your coach, it's you and your coach. Very. It's not like on a team where the owner of the franchise hires mm -hmm. the coach, you pick the yes. coach and after your break, you brought in a new coach, right? I did, yes. What was that process like? What is it, it was, like finding a new coach? Mm -hmm. It was very hard and again, I've had, I was very fortunate to have the same coach my whole entire career from six years old to 19 years old, which doesn't happen a lot of the time and staying at the same gym usually. So that coach around. basically taught you, gave everything. you the foundation, taught you everything yes. you knew and yes. you were ready to move on. Yes, because she moved to Florida. Oh, God. And it. my parents built this gym, so I wasn't gonna leave. So that was a decision for me to stay in Houston, to be with my family and to train there. So we brought in some new coaches and the process was hard, but you know, we did interviews and we did what fit best for me. And, and do you very, like train with them for like a day or a couple of days to see if you, if there's I a I had fit? been with them since we're on national team. We go to these national team training centers and actually his, um, Two of his girls I kind of grew up with, and one of them was actually on the Olympic team with me. So I had worked with him at camps and stuff like that, as well as his wife. 
Got it. And what what is it? What matters the most when hiring a coach as a gymnast? Like, what do you really yeah. need out of your coach the most? If you had to list like the top three yeah. things that you need out of the coach, what are they? Um, I feel it's a good like push and pull situation. They have to know when to push you and then when to pull back. But also, they had to be familiar with the elite world and the gymnastics world because not a lot of kids get to do it at a high level like we do. So they had to be very familiar with that. And then the communication and the trust. Got it. And, and obviously, so your coach is kind of your person that you lean on when you're competing, when you're training. Mm -hmm. But then when you're not competing and training and making business decisions, who's the person that you lean on the most or the people that you kind of lean on to give you information to help you make business decisions? My super agent, Janie. Nice. She's, the she's a super agent? She is. She's a super agent. She's not just an agent. She's <laughs> a super agent. And um, we always talk to her, my parents and financial advisor, to her about making all my business decisions. And she helps you filter things. and Everything. And does she usually bring you stuff after she's filtered it, right? Yes. Yes. Got it. And by the time it gets to you, is it just you saying yay or nay or... I like mm -hmm. this or I don't, or I'm into exactly. this or I'm not into this. Yes. And what do you think to this point is the best business decisions you've made? Or some of the best decisions mm -hmm. you've made business-wise? I feel like working with a lot of my sponsors, um, I'm very picky with who I work with because it has to be meaningful to me. Um, and it has to fit my life. So I'm very picky with that. But I feel like working with a financial team probably the best decision. The picking your financial team mm -hmm. is the best. And obviously picking your super agent. She yes. sounds fantastic. Yes. I want to meet her, by the yes. way. I may need to hire her. Yes. <laughs> um, but obviously, um, you've won every event at the national championships, mm -hmm. the Olympics. But you've also unveiled your new leotard line. Yes. And you're focused. You're obviously one of the greatest athletes mm -hmm. to ever live. But you, you're into being more than an athlete, whether it's talking about things. Yes. But tell us about this leotard line. How mm -hmm. long have you been working on this line? Oh, goodness. So right before the Olympics, I signed with him. So I have a signature line. It's GK is the company. And then it's GK by Simone. So I've worked with him for a while now. And our, my spring collection just came out. But I love working with them because I get to say in how the leotards look, how the colors look, and all of the designs. And if something, if there's something that I don't like, we get to fix it. If there's a color that we don't like, if I have any ideas, um, I get to sit down with the team and work on everything. So it's. It's really what I like and what I think the girls in the gym will like to wear. Got it. And why did you decide to do this? Like, what made you go, I need my own mm -hmm. line, I want to... Because it takes time. It's, yes, it takes a lot of time. And you obviously train all the time. Mm -hmm. You're buying a house, you got a dog yes. you take care of. Time yes. is of the essence with you, but this takes mm -hmm. real time and focus. Yes. So why did you decide to do this? Well, we're always in the gym, so we always have to wear a uniform, which is a leotard. So I thought it would be very fun collaboration with the both of us um, and to work on this because we have to wear Leos. That's our uniform. Yeah. And so why not make it fun? And what's it like? Have you seen other gymnasts wearing your stuff? Oh, I do. I love it. I'm what's obsessed. it like when it's you so see that? It's so cool because I remember wearing... Sean's Leo or Nausea's Leo. And so to now have my own line, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Is it crazy when yes. you see someone else in it? And exactly. I'm sure when you see someone else in it, you're like, 
I want them to win. I hope they perform amazing because yes, they have all so your stuff, fun. right? Yes. And and talk about you made a special color mm -hmm. and it was the reason you made it this yes. color. So last year, at the end of the year, I competed in a teal leotard, and the uh, teal is for sexual abuse survivors, and I actually started designing that leo in January, and we competed in July, August, um, and I thought it would be a good statement, and I felt comfortable wearing it. Um, and I got to design the whole entire Leo. So we put some pearls on it, made it fancy, had a little bit of lacy feel to it. Um, so I was very excited about that Leo. Got it, that sounds amazing. And then they actually made a replica so that we could train in it. And um, it kind of sold out really quick. Really? Mm -hmm. You talk about it and described it so well, it makes me want yes. to try on a pair. Yes, <laughs> we can get you one. Well, can you get, they come yes. in my size? Sure. Perfect. <laughs> but obviously, you're widely respected as an athlete, but mm -hmm. do you feel in like making your Leo Teal, yes. do you feel like there's a you have a responsibility to speak mm -hmm. up for people who don't have the platform you do? Um, only in certain ways. I feel like obviously since we have very big social media followings and platforms, um, they listen to us and it's something that they can relate to. So I'm always up to do it as long as it's in a positive manner. Of course. Um, so I'm very... I pick and choose my battles, um, but as long as I'm standing for what, standing up for what I believe in, then I know it's okay. Talking about social media, you're, you tell us about your approach. You obviously look like you have a blast mm -hmm. on social. Yes. Your life looks amazing, like you're having yes. fun. What is your approach to using social? So for me, my approach to social media is for them to get an inside glimpse of our lives because they see us compete, but we're a little bit more serious out there on the floor. So I feel like they get to see the real us once they go on my Twitter, in my Instagram, and hopefully it's something that they can relate to. And how important is it to show the world or young girls who are yes. looking to you or even older people that are looking to you, the real you, who you really are? I think are. it's really important because a lot of them don't think I'm real. I heard a lot of them say I'm a robot and I'm not real. <laughs> of course. So well, I because think, your, your yes. sport is all about sticking the perfect move exactly. with the perfect landing and doing everything yes. so precise and perfect. Mm -hmm. I understand how people could feel that way. Yes, so I feel like I want to come across as normal as possible and that I'm just like them. And I think they can relate to that. And do you make a conscious effort to show people who you really are in your yes. real life? and? want them to connect with you in a mm -hmm. real way? Yes. I'll wake up and my hair is crazy and I'll still put out a Snapchat so they see I'm normal. Like, I don't wake up pretty every day. I need some work too. <laughs> yeah. You need some, wash your face like the yes. rest of us and get, get it in yes, gear like the no rest secrets. of us. there are no secrets. There's no secrets, exactly. And obviously, you know, I've seen the picture of you and Shaq standing side yes. by side. And to me, both of you are extremely strong and size mm -hmm. Strength isn't just about size. How do you yeah. think about strength and who you are as a person yes. and strength? How do you define it to yourself? I feel like it has to do with your demeanor and most definitely your confidence, how you go about yourself. Got it. And, you know, we talked a little bit about personal spending and what you've done mm -hmm. with money and things you like to buy. When you got your first big check and you were allowed to touch it yes. and cash it yes. and it was yours, <laughs> What was the first thing you're like, I got to go buy myself yes, this? Yes, that would be the Louis Vuitton bag. That was your first thing? Yes, I got it in New York. 
When did, how long ago did you get it? Right after the Olympics, once we came back. When you landed States. in New York, did you go there first, right away to the Louis Vuitton store on Fifth we Avenue? We had to do a little bit of media and to go on a couple shows, but then after that, we treated ourselves. Now, when you were on those shows, it was in the back of your head like, I can't wait till this is oh, over I so I can wait. get the Louis Vuitton? I couldn't wait. Just passing the Louis store was like torture. And you knew which bag you wanted? Oh, I did. And is it hard to splurge on yourself knowing that you love to save and you're always worried yes. about going broke? Is it hard to like mm -hmm. buy something, a big no. item? No, it really is hard to splurge on myself, but I will only splurge if I earned it. Got it. Oh, yes. so you only reward yourself after yes. championships or Olympics or something yes, like that. Yes, something big and I know that I've earned it. And so that's like, that's like yourself to your, with your dog mm -hmm. with the treats. It's like, I yes. gotta go earn it, I gotta go win it. Exactly. And then I can get what, exactly what mm -hmm. I want. And do you usually know, like going into championships, yes. do you have in your mind like, okay, I gotta win, because if I win, I'm getting this no. thing? No, I never think about own? winning, but I always think that if I do good, maybe I can reward myself. And do you have something in your mind now that you're either saving for, or you're like, the um, next time I can reward myself, I'm getting this? I think right now I have to put a pause on it because I just rewarded my mom for Christmas. We got her, um, or I got her a car nice. because she's earned it. She's my rock. And she she's earned been it? There. Yes, she did. Nice. She's a great mom. I love your mentality. It's like if you earn it, you get something yes. great. Yes, if you earn That's it, you get it. That's a great way to live. If you earn it, you get it. Yes. And, and is it, but for yourself, or is there something you're thinking you're saving for now? Hmm. No, I don't think I'm saving just... Saving, make really? good investments. <laughs> and besides Louis Vuitton bags, you have another guilty pleasure, something that like an yeah. everyday thing that like... Online shopping. Really? But for bargains, like even yesterday, I was shopping for towels. And those for things, your new house? Yes, those things are expensive. But you know, I got them on sale. You found a bunch of them mm -hmm. on sale? What, did you get colors for different, every room has yeah. different colors? Yeah. And what else are you, do you have, you got to buy sheets for the house, furniture? I, I got those too. Have you yesterday. started doing They're furniture and everything? Mm-hmm. It's all, a house is very expensive. Oh, it's crazy. You're gonna learn, a house sucks money all oh, the time. Oh, I know. There's always something it needs, it's yes. never finished, then yes. something breaks, then you fix that. But if something. you have a housewarming party, then you can get gifts. That's true, that is very true. <laughs> Are you having a housewarming party? My mom said no. Why? But maybe she'll give me something that I need. Why no? That's the way to get gifts, you're right. I know, we have to settle in and I'm traveling so much that honestly I feel like we won't have enough time for it because I'm always on the go, or I'm always in the gym training. Got it, so you won't have time to And do since it. I'm training, I mean I only have like this many friends. Oh, got it. But you could have a housewarming and not be there just to get the gifts. That's true. Have everyone just oh, come so get some more doors and leave gifts. <laughs> have your sister there yes. to, to man the house, yes. exactly. And now, you've obviously been tr competing a yes. little while now, earning money a little while now. You've saved money, you have money, you've bought yes. yourself a beautiful Louis bag. Yes. But is there still one habit that you live by that you used to have? Even when you were broke, you still have it like, I'm not buying this, I'm not overspending on this. Do you have what we call a kneading dough, like your broke habit? I feel like for me, it's shopping. I still shop at Forever 21 or Charlotte Russe or American Eagle, really? just like, yeah, I'm a normal person. I don't like fancy things. You don't like fancy, except yeah. for Louis bags. Exactly. And what type of car do you drive? I drive a Range Rover. Nice. <laughs> did, you, did you get that after a championship or something also? Um, yes. After the Olympics, then I got a new car. Yes. So you know I have to follow this now. So after the next Olympics, I got to know, 
after you do great, you're gonna do fantastic. What you re I'm I'm gonna be more I interested in what you reward yourself with than when you stick the bowels one or two. I want to know what you get yes. after the Olympics. That's I what already I'm have an idea. What is it? Tell uh, us. Can you tell us? I can tell you. It's what a G wagon. It? Oh, nice. What color? Matte black. Matte black and what color interior? Red. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yes. Well, everyone, let's give Simone Biles a big round of applause. <laughs> It was fantastic. Thank, <laughs> thank you so you. much. Of course. Thank, thank you. you. That's going to do it for this episode of Needing Dough, the podcast presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. You can check us out right back here in two weeks with former NBA All-Star Karan Butler. They always tell you when you leave the penitentiary or you leave somewhere you don't ever want to go again, don't look back. Mm -hmm. I look back at that shit like three, four times. Yeah. I said, I ain't never going back to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's, that, my mind was right, and I was fixed. You know, internally, mm -hmm. I was fixed before I left. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. It's free. It helps others find the show, and that way, you'll never miss an episode. Thanks again to our partner for this show, Chase. Head over to Chase.com and see what Chase has to offer. Our executive producers are myself, T.D. St. Matthew Daniel and Ben Adair. And I'm Andrew Hawkins, a.k.a. Hawk, telling you what a wise man always told me. A penny saved is a penny earned.